You're listening to the Glory Culture Podcast Show. To learn more about the ministry, head on over to glorycultureintl.com and click. Now, here's your host, David Yancey. Hey, it's the Glory Culture Podcast Show. I am your host, David Yancey. Wherever you are, however it is that you are listening Thank you for letting us be a part of your day. So today I want to talk to you about something very near and dear to my heart. And uh, it is a word that you are hearing used everywhere. If you are somewhere in North America, in Western church culture, you are hearing the word revival. Now, let me start by saying I love revival. I am a revivalist. It is something that the Lord has graced me with to carry, to pursue, go after. Uh, I am a student of revival. I love studying and honoring all the past moves of the spirit. I am even licensed as a minister underneath John G. Lake's ministry. I'm very proud to say that. So what is revival? Why are we hearing it so often? I mean, I feel like it's the catchphrase of the century for Christianese. You know, since uh, as far back as I can remember, I've heard pastors saying, you know, as a child in the 90s, we are going to have revival next week. I'm like, huh, interesting. I didn't know that was a thing you could just do. You know, or I've, I've many times I've heard, you know, this is what revival looks like. This is what revival sounds like. This is what revival feels like. You know, and, and I'm not trying to throw shade. I'm not trying to uh mock or anything like that trust my heart on this okay because i love revival and i want to see it poured out everywhere but what is it and what is it not well i'll tell you this it is not excitement dancing jumping commanding a crowd working a room and uh using the right buzz phrases to get people to shout back um, a lot of people say that that's, you know, this, the revival's here because people are excited, but, uh, I, I don't, I don't believe that that is what revival, because let me put it like this. This is what the Lord has put on my heart to revive. Something is to insert life into that, which was previously void of it. Revival is not something that you just conjure up. Revival is an act of resurrection. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. So what's happening is not an action, but it is a manifestation of a man, Jesus Christ. It is an impartation of the divine life of God coming into that which previously had it not. Now, this comes a lot of times in the forms of <clears throat> new salvations, right? I mean, that is the direct definition of some, uh, of what I just said. But also, that is an incomplete understanding of what it is to be void of the divine life of God. Not every born-again believer, not every church 
is operating in their potential. But when the resurrected man, Jesus Christ, the life, the Savior, is imparted into you, you come alive like never before. A lot of people have categorized, well, you know, we had like five people get healed in the service. This is revival. And I'm not downplaying that at all. What I'm saying is that should be the norm. That should be every service. If you've got people that are in need of healing in your service, that's not a markation of revival. That's just evidence that God is in it. And I believe that should be all the time. Now, when there is an exponentially expanded explosion of an open heaven over a service, that's different. That's not your standard, you know, healing power that comes through you as a Holy Ghost filled believer. And by the way, none of this is reserved for ministers. If you're listening to this, the same Christ, the same Holy Spirit that's in these highly trained and highly uh, seminaried suits, the same Spirit is in you. This is not reserved for the pulpit. And that, that's something that I want to... Um, I want to get that out to as many people as possible. Because, you know, I've grown up in some really, really good churches. Holy Ghost there, people getting healed, signs, wonders, miracles. But we were often told, you go out there into the streets and you bring them to us and we'll get them saved. And and let me tell you, as a, as a leader in the ministry, that ain't true. <clears throat> I do carry something very special. But so do you. Revival is an impartation of the Lord. And let me tell you this. I, I've been in a lot of phenomenally uh, anointed services where the Holy Spirit is so present and everybody's shaking and baking and rolling on the floor and everybody's drinking deep. The wine is in the atmosphere. But I wouldn't classify that as revival alone. Um, because, I won't put it like this, there there has been past moves of the Spirit. And I'm not talking about like, you know, a, an extra week of every day going or extra three weeks. I mean, we're talking like some movements that have been well sustained, many months, some of them more than a year. And at the time, everybody was like, it's revival, it's revival, it's revival. But they have kind of been quietly reclassified as something else, you know, an outpouring or a blessing or whatever. And, and I'm not targeting any one thing. So if you're sitting there trying to figure out what it is, I, I don't I don't do that. I don't believe in that. I, hey, if it was a spirit, then hallelujah, praise God. But um, it's kind of been slightly more than once this has happened where people quit using the word revival when they when they describe it. Why is that? Because. As powerful of a move of the Spirit it is, and I honor that with every ounce in me, at the front door, anybody who was outside the building, no matter if it was two weeks of sustained services or a year, 
The people outside the building had no idea what was going on. There was not an impartation of life outside of the four walls. Now, the blessing, the outpouring, the presence, the move of the Spirit was fantastic. We honor that. But it did not reach its intended purpose without transformation of a society. Revival is not a buzzword. <clears throat> Revival is transforming the culture. And I'm not talking about the church culture. If you've got drug addicts sleeping up against the building and they're not touched because they're on the outside of the stucco, you have not hit the mark. And listen, revival, when it's truly happening, shoot, even just an outpouring, the leaders are in over their heads. They have no idea what they're doing. They're not in control of anything. That's how you know it's the Lord. It is beyond all of our, our our capabilities to contain it. That's the first thing we try to do is to contain it, label it, put a structure to it, come up with a schedule, come up with this, come up with that. What are we going to do? What are we going to call it? How are we going to, you know, whatever. When you cannot successfully throw your religious box onto it, that's how you know it's the Lord. Because the Lord's like a wild... Well, the old mystics used to call the Holy Spirit the wild goose. Like we all call it the dove. A lot of people call it, call him the dove. Sorry. He's not an it. He's a him. Holy Spirit's a person. But, uh, and I like the wild goose analogy, but the way I, I like to describe it as a horse. And what we've done in America, what we've done in Western church cultures, we have turned the relationship of the rider and the horse to that of a bucking bronco and a rodeo. We fill the stands we box it in, hop on, open the gate, see if we can hold on for eight seconds while everybody stands and claps and cheers and we get thrown. And if we're lucky, we land in the right spot and we shake and bake, right? We've turned it into a rodeo. When you look at how the natives would go out and find a horse, they built a trust between them and the wild horse and they rode it without saddling it, without bridling it, without controlling it with reins. But they just relationally hopped on and went for the ride. Without an applause from a, from a stadium. Now, I know that that's an imperfect uh, analogy. But that's like how I like to view the move of the Spirit and my relation to it. Because every single uh, revival, like I said, I'm a student of revival has been birthed through relational intimacy. Just like somebody in the wild taming a wild, or not even taming, but forming that bond with a, a wild Mustang. The Welsh Revival, Evan Roberts birthed that in prayer. While it was going on, the church was open 24 hours a day for prayer, and there was always at least someone in the church praying. For the entire duration. The Azusa Street Revival with William Seymour. It was birthed with hunger. A hunger and a desire that could not be quenched. That could not be extinguished. But could only be stoked with the wind of the spirit. You know, then the tent revivals came. William Branham, A.A. Uh, Allen, Jack Coe, 
Oral Roberts, the stadiums came, Billy Graham. You know, currently we have we have people like Daniel Kalinda going out and doing stadiums around the world. We have all of these revivalists going out into the world. These are all forms and strands of wine that have been issued to a person to be in partnership with the Holy Spirit. And without proper honor, we're not going to be allowed to carry part of it. That's why it's important to be a student of revival. And that's also important to know what the Lord previously did. Because if we're honoring of what he did before, and we are open to what he'll do again, we're positioning ourselves to receive the new wineskin. Do not look in the rearview mirror to find the blueprint for it. Look in the rearview mirror to show honor. I look at past revivals to honor it. Why? So that I can uh, uh, sow love and honor and reap the benefit of an impartation of it. Listen, revival is a strand of wine. And with each revival is a new strand. This never been released before. I believe the stadium revivals and the tent revivals of, of you know, the 40s and 50s of A.A. Of a. A. Allen and, uh, and, and that generation, right? Jack Coe, uh, William Branham, all those revivalists. I believe it's coming around, but it cannot be done in the same way because God is doing a new thing. It's a fresh wineskin. And if we try to emanate what was done before, by striving, number one, we're going to put our, our, our constraints on it. We're going to put our box on it. And number two, we are going to be living under an old decree. Yes, I believe stadiums are coming back. Yes, tent revivals are coming back, but in a new fashion. You see, the wineskin will burst if you put fresh wine in it. If you're using something that's been used before, the fresh wine will burst it. And the tragedy is not that the wineskin is ruined. But the tragedy is that the new wine is spilled, dispersed, and gone. And the last thing we want to do is spill the wine. We want to receive it. So we got we to gotta honor past revival without living under a decree past its expiration date. I love and honor all the generals of the faith. I learn from them. And I position my heart to receive whatever the Lord does. John chapter 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he says, Those that are born of the flesh are of the flesh. Those that are born of the spirit are of the spirit. The wind blows. You may hear it, but you have no idea where it came from or where it goes. And so are those that are born of the spirit. I'm telling you. That we, as a new wineskin people, have to be of the Spirit and allow ourselves to be blown in the wind. Because you will be carried somewhere. You don't know where it's going. You don't know where it came from. But when you get there, it's the new. It's the fresh. It's the Spirit, as He wills. <clears throat> and so I think when it comes to revival, we're so good at planning things out. And I'm not, I'm not raining on anybody's parade. I'm not throwing shade. Praise God, somebody's going after something, right? But uh, we're so good at planning it out. You know, I just preached. I was just asked to be a part of a, 
some services down south in uh, Los Angeles about a week and a half ago. A dear friend of mine, Pastor Ben Lim, called me up and says, hey, I want you to come down. He was preaching, and then he called on me to uh, to to share some things. And, and anyways, this was a, a three-day conference that started on New Year's Day. And the Spirit poured, it, poured himself out, and it exploded. And I believe they're still going. I want to say that they, they're still going. So it's been weeks. And because it can't be contained, we're having um, we're having an explosion of miracles. Not just your standard, um, you know, this is what the Lord is doing. This is what the Lord's carrying, like an open heaven portal, right? But and I told them the same thing when I was there. If this is all it's going to be, signs, wonders, miracles, and I don't say that disrespectfully. I honor every one of those things. They're all of the spirit. If it's going to be contained in these four walls, you, I said, congratulations, you almost hit the mark. I said, because when I look out these windows, I see a hurt and broken, broken society. And if this life, the divine life of God, is not imparted to that society, then we've had some fantastic meetings in the glory. But we have imparted no resurrection. People think resurrection is strictly commanding a dead body to have life again. That is a form. Powerful, powerful form. But <clears throat> to insert life into that which was previously void. If it's strictly about a pulse, then we have an incomplete understanding of what life is. Jesus said, I came that they would have life. And not just that they would have it, but they would have it in more abundance. The word life is the Greek word zoe, which means the divine life of God. If we are not receiving, imparting, and transferring into other souls the divine life, then we are not fully stepping into a full expression of revival. Jesus said, I lay my life down. He did not say, I lay my soe down. He said, I lay my suke down, which is the Greek word for soulishness. He nailed the soul to the cross so that he could impart zoe more abundantly. So I want to encourage you today, if you Consider yourself a presence-driven Holy Ghost junkie. That is wonderful. Fill yourself to overflowing so that you can impart that divine life into others. Jesus said that you are the light of the world. The Bible says Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus turned around and said to his to his, all that could hear him, you are the light of the world. If light naturally dominates darkness and you're the light of the world, then you were created to confront darkness, to drive it out, to expel it. You were created for this. We reduce things below their full potential all the time. To say that Jesus came to save you is to reduce a master plan down to a single act. 
He didn't come just to save you. He came to indwell you. You have the Zoe life of God living on the inside of you. That you may go into all the world carrying this great light and expel darkness. That is the intention of revival. Not buzzword, charismatic uh, mania of, of jumping around. And, and listen, I'm not coming against any of that stuff. If you all saw me totally undignified before the Lord, um, believe me, I drink in the spirit. I love the presence. I am not against falling out. I am not against shaking and baking. I love all of it. It's all an expression of evidence of coming into contact with the Spirit of God. But we have to go into the world. We have to impart that resurrection life, the resurrection that is a man, that resurrection named Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me pray for you today. God, I pray that every single person under the sound of my voice would be clothed in your presence, that there would be evidence that they have been with God, that your presence would not simply be a something that they count as a good feeling. Father, let it be an impartation. Holy Spirit, descend upon the listener right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Receive his goodness, receive that refreshing and Go into the world and impart that spirit simply by being who God created you to be. And that light will naturally shine out of you. God, I bless them in the name of Jesus. In your name, amen. God bless every one of you. Thank you for tuning in. I can't wait to catch you again soon. I'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening.